Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley, and I am very fortunate to have Illini guy beat reporter Matt Stevens, who covers the football team, and Illini guy director of recruiting Kedrick Prince, who covers all things recruiting. And we are talking about the wide receivers and running backs for this year's Illini football team, giving you a little bit of a preview, a little bit to think about. But before we do that, we have uh, two stories that we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, one of them being that USC has a um, <laughs> they have an NIL collective that is coming to support the football team against the wishes of the school. So this is a very interesting story that broke today. And we also will talk a little bit about the Big Ten's presumed TV deal. And um, just to get you guys familiar, what it looks like right now is that the, the Big Ten will be paid in excess of $1 billion a year for their television rights. And what that looks like on the football side is that there will be a Fox game at 11 Central for those of you in the central time zone. And that Fox game will be probably the best game of the week. Although, you know, we can debate, you know, some people have different visions on that. Then, it, uh, then we have the two thirty um, central game, which will be on CBS right now, it looks like. And CBS, of course, used to have the SEC. They're now paying six times more for the Big Ten. And then the 7 p.m. game in primetime looks like it will be on NBC. And then, of course, either Amazon or Peacock, which is the NBC streaming, will have the streaming rights and will probably broadcast at the same time as the other games. Uh, and additionally, you could see other games on uh, Fox's cable, you know, different, different stations. So, and, and of course, the Big Ten Network stations. So you'll probably have every Big Ten game broadcast, but this time on a, uh, a contract that's going to be very, very uh, good for the Big Ten. And the reason that we're bringing this up is, of course, a lot of people revealed it today. Um, and of course, we found out that, um, you know, if you go back in time and you listen to Eye on the Illini, and you listen to our episode on June 30th, um, that was uh, the Big Ten expansion changes the face of college athletics. And of course, that was season two, uh, episode 45. If you go back and take a look at that, at the 20 minute and 15 second mark, we actually hit that, um, see, over six weeks ago. So uh, Matt, looks like, we ought to have a job as a prognosticator. I wish we were as good at picking um, Mega Millions and Powerball numbers. I was going to, if I had won the power, if I had won the Mega Millions, Mike, I wouldn't be on this podcast. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you as my boss. Like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're one of my bosses. I can sit here and tell you right now, I, I wouldn't be doing this podcast with you. That's for darn sure. Um, maybe I would, and I just wouldn't, you know, have a whole lot of, you know, other responsibilities let's put it that way exactly uh, um 
my, my thought is, is that there are a lot of still, I think, balls in the air on this. And what I, the reason I say that is because I think the networks have got to figure out everything, what they want to do. I am floored by the idea that CBS is going to play five times as much for what looks like the number two game in a conference. Because for since, I think, 1990, when they entered the agreement with the SEC, the 230 slot has always been the number one ranked SEC game. And I mean, I, I covered it since 2009, and I knew what the pecking order was. And if CBS wanted your game, they were going to they were, they had they they were first in line, um, and um, for them to be two in line and pay five times as much is just flooring to me. And it also is interesting to me. They've got I think everybody's got to figure out how championship weekend's going to work. And what I mean by that is, I assume that the prime time Saturday night slot for Fox is still going to be where the Big Ten title game is. Like I'd have to believe. Yeah. And at that point, I'm sorry, but CBS is just left without a chair in this musical chairs roundabout so, we're in here. But what do you and think the odds are? That's the where that's that's where I'm confused about. Yeah, what do you think the odds are? It won't take the Big Ten very long to have the first team in the uh East take on the second team at the West, and the second team in the East take on the first team in the West. And now all of a sudden. You have three games that you can that you you have a you have your semifinal and your championship. Ted, you like the idea of that? I know you're Mister Tradition, so this has to have your have have you just going. Ugh. <laughs> no, but I what I do like though, you know, since we cover the Big Ten in Illinois, it shows who the king is going to be in college in college athletics. I like I like the TV stuff. I like the the money because you know what that does. That is going to help every institution, whether it be academically, definitely in football with attendance. It's going to help schools, I mean, like Illinois, that traditionally don't have a ton, ton of money like compared to Ohio State. But I think when those funds are allocated, I think it's going to help them. And I love the fact that they're basically telling people the Big Ten is the king. And, you know, we can sit here and sugarcoat it. We know they're going to add more teams. And maybe some of these networks know who those teams are, but they, the way I look at it, they've got the market corner and I, I like it. I, you know, we, we've all grown up watching, like you said, the ABC game, two thirty game, yep. it's always been big 10 and seeing them on different networks. It's going to be great. I'm just, I'm excited about it. I think that part is good. And you're right. I'm a traditionalist, you know, but that part I do like just to see them broaden, you know, their brand because from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, how do you go into a home and you can and tell these recruits this stuff and it's going to work, you know, to your advantage because everybody wants to be a part of it. But, you know, when we when I talk to these recruits and this is no knock on some of the other conferences, but it's always the Big Ten and SEC all the time. When you talk about do you have a conference preference or what conference do you like, they'll say no sometimes but they are they're intrigued by those two conferences so i like I, I think it's great from a tv standpoint yeah i'm kind of struggling with some of the new teams but then again you know what it's the new way things are going to be and like you know we talked about it before we got on the air you know this is gonna, in 2030 you know i don't know what this is all gonna look like yep well matt yeah. you, you you seem to really look excited by my idea of a of having a semi-final game which that way at least the right now the way things are going in the east at least Penn State or Michigan could get their shot at Ohio State. 
I don't like it in the sense that I, they tried, Mike, you and I both saw they tried it in the weird COVID 2020 year and it just flopped like a fish. Um, yeah. I don't like it. Um, my, my, my thought, I go to two thoughts, which is Ked said, said it right, that they've cornered, I would say the Big Ten has cornered a market. And I'm curious as to, you know, Mike, you've put something out on social media, what was it, Tuesday morning, that was like, and I have the same curiosity, which is fan behavior. I mean, let's just be real. I'm 38 years old, and I am conditioned to watch college game day on ESPN and then flip through the noon games, okay? Let's just call it what it is. That Fox pregame show has not caught legs yet. And although Big Noon Kickoff has marketed itself in a, in a really, really interesting corner market there, okay, where they have – I mean – Again, I'm quoting my buddy Andy Staples. It's in their freaking name. They're not moving off that noon slide. It's big right. noon kickoff, right? right? Um, I, I kind of wonder, you're, you're having two dynamic entities here, but you're also having two philosophies here. Because if your big game is at noon, well, guess what the SEC and Mickey Mouse is going to do over here? Their big game is going to be that primetime slot that they feel like a whole bunch of people are going to watch. And so is the seven o'clock prime slot going to get more eyeballs than the big noon? Um, and is our pregame show at, you know, 10 a.m. going to do better than the Fox? I mean, that's that's basically what you're talking. What, like, that, that's the two competing entities here. And so that's that's kind of what I'm interested in. I'm interested in seeing how that kind of transpires. And if people are just conditioned to to do it, I'm interested in how many Big Ten fans are going to order Peacock if they're forced to. Um, and I, I don't know what the thought process is there. I mean, there are a lot of baseball fans that can't watch the Cardinals and the Cubs right now because Marquee and Bally's haven't really done their due diligence in terms of getting a cable deal put together um, or a streaming deal for that matter. I have YouTube TV. I can't watch the Cardinals. So um, it could go that route. Um, I'm interested in seeing how these networks are going to work it because you and I both know, Mike, that like, no, NBC still has a contract with a big school in South Bend that they're still going to do their games. So my, my thought process is, is that NBC is going to need more talent and more people to do that Big Ten game that they're now going to be assigned to do. And the, the last part of it is I'm interested in seeing you got two schools in California that are on Pacific Standard Time. How many times are they going to have to eat the the noon eastern time kickoff how many times are you going to put the noon eastern time kickoff on in, in la or how many times are you going to make ucla or usc play the play a road game on that big noon kickoff because you need eyeballs and so uh, those are all things that are going to have to be sorted out and I, I i'm i'm fascinated by how those things are going to get sorted out yeah i think they i think you'll see well we'll, we'll, we'll never hear about it unless it happens but i think you'll see renewed interest in talking to Notre Dame because then that gives you if you're NBC you've already got them let's say for eight games or whatever you put you know you put uh four big 10 games you know that that they're on the road it depends on how they want to cut the pie up but you certainly you certainly all of a sudden now you could mix Notre Dame amongst those those things um I think you also take a look at um, what you want to do with um, 
I mean, I still think Texas A&M would listen, you know, and, and supposedly, according to all the articles, there's escalator clauses in these contracts for additional schools to come in. Um, so it gives the Big Ten a chance to look at somebody and say, yeah, not you, but I like you, depending on, you know, what school they're looking at. And so to me, you know, you've got USC, UCLA, big, mar big marquee games. You got Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, and then you have whatever teams are coming up that are hot, um, and and that's where you know Illinois wants to be, as opposed to you know the game that's always going to be on the Big Ten Network or you know Fox Sports One or, or you know whatever. You just don't want to be that guy every week, and. Um, it's it's going to be very interesting and and you know the marquee matchups i think the big 10 is tougher top to bottom uh it has been maybe than the sec but they don't they don't have the weight at the top and um you know it's it's a very interesting by bringing in usc that makes things change a little bit and of course that leads us to what usc is planning to do with a uh a donor-run NIL collective that is coming to, to, to basically provide a salary to all 85 scholarship athlete football players, and USC doesn't want them to do that, but I'm not certain, can USC stop them? I, I, I don't know, you know? I, I, and then if you're a player and you're going to go to USC and somebody comes up to you and says, Here's X thousands of dollars, whether it's, you know, 25, 50, 100, whatever it is. Somebody says, I'm going to give this to you. Are you going to say no? Even if can you're I, told to say no. Can I answer that? Both of those? Yeah. The, the first question is, can USC stop them? No, they can't. Like, like they conceptually, they, they, they are under the rule book they're supposed to, but realistically no you i mean it's the thing that like if you want to put it in illinois perspective it's the thing that josh whitman and brett bielema and brad underwood like stay up late trying to like worry about which is somebody's going to break the rules and there's not a darn thing we can do about it right and i i'll give them this there's there's the booster that's leading this student body right collective i don't call it nil anymore because that's not what it is it's pay for play um this pay for play collective is basically saying we're going to do this and they're in a damn thing that USC can do about it. And they're in a damn thing that the NCAA can do about it. And if you don't like it tough, you should have treated me better when I was a booster and we were under different rules. Um, and so I'm not sure that Lincoln Riley's all that angry about this because I'm not real sure that there's any, you know, NCAA enforcement that's going to come in and be able to handle this and this is the Pandora's box you've opened and if if a pay-for-play collective wants to go ahead and do this guess what there are other schools in which they're doing it too and and I put it out on our boards over at Illini guys is that if this is the case and this is what it basically if USC this this student body right which I think ought to be called the Aunt Becky collective um should have been, is going to put every 80 all 85 scholarship players on southern cal on a salary on a monthly salary um like their i don't know employees um 
they'll easily have the most collective money out of at any Big Ten school, and it won't be close. And this is the thing that Ryan Day just wanted to scream to the hills about because he's like, look, we're behind on this and we're going to be behind on this. You need to help me. You guys need to help me on this. And he is screaming for millions and millions of dollars because he knows that if this is going to happen, by the time USC gets into the Big Ten, they are going to be so far ahead of everybody else in, in pay-for-play collective money. It's going to be a joke. And Well, it, and it's hard to... It's hard to predict at, for sure, but I yeah, mean, but you look at you look at what Lincoln Riley and, and USC was already able to do in the portal. Yeah, I mean, well, look, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, it'll. It, it, <laughs> it, where it'll, do you go, Ked? If you've got a player yeah. who comes to you, Ked, and he says, "Hey, I can get a college education from a degree, you know, like from University of Michigan, or I can get a college degree from." usc and the usc degree comes with the same um scholarship but i make a hundred thousand dollars a year and i'm going to be there let's say for five years because i'm in a red shirt um that's five hundred thousand dollars i mean if you if you had a um one of your players came to you and said what should i do what would you tell them well i know a guy named kofi coburn not the same situation but kind of same situation, that's a lot of money. You have yeah. no idea what your future holds. And to me, it's a no-brainer. You go to USC, same conference. You're gonna, it's a good school to get a degree from. It's a no-brainer. And it gives them an advantage. And like we were saying before, it's other schools in the Big Ten who have set their game up. Because they not only it just won't be the Big Ten, but nationally, they're going to go out and just – why would you not? Why would anybody – and I can hate to say this because people who don't have any common sense will turn that down because I just, it makes no sense to me because you can invest that money. If you get hurt, you know, if there's long-term things, if you do things right, that money's going to be there for you. I mean, and to be honest with you, I mean, for a college kid to spend that much money a year, I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of ridiculous. So, you know, I, I like it. I, I, I mean, it's kind of scary where this is going, you know, and eventually the NCAA is just going to just be done with it, and then people are going to do their own things. But it's it's good for schools who are going to do it. But I like the fact that I want to see other schools, and I hate to say Illinois is like the whipping boy, but that's who we cover. How they're going to react to this stuff? Because you know, yes, and Illinois is a good place. I'm going to tell you right now, fans need to understand this. There are some big donors out there in the state of Illinois, and I know there's one in Chicago and one in Peoria. I'm telling you, they're as good as anybody else in the country. So I like to continue to see Illinois step up to the plate and get some of these things. But if other schools in the conference don't, you know, like a Purdue, those schools are going to struggle. So that I mean, if you don't, you just—it's going to be the same teams because of the money, because they're going to get every five-star recruit that's out there. Yeah, and and I the interesting thing is, is Illinois has. Um, a pathway you can Google University of Illinois alumni billionaires or billionaires from University of Illinois and Silicon Valley is full of plenty of them so you know you just all you need is one but um, you know that that's unfortunately now that's going to be a pitch that almost every college is going to need to be looking for until this thing gets ironed out and um, there are some folks on the internet, you know, guys who are lawyers who are looking at this and they're saying the long-term play 
is to have revenue sharing with the uh, players, um, you know, getting a percentage of the uh, TV rights while they're in college. And, and maybe that takes care of some of it. But I, I think this is this is something we're going to watch evolve. And I, I don't know where we're going to end up. Well, it's the thing, Mike, it's the thing that Mike and Kat, it's the thing that Lane Kiffin has been screaming about since the spring and the summer. You cannot recruit the transfer portal without pay for play money. You just can't do it. It's exactly. not possible. It is absolutely 100% not possible. And you cannot do it. And it is, it's basically, you're trying to figure out who's offering what. This isn't a, we're selling you on our education. The transfer portal is, this is what this school offered me. This is what this school offered me. Which free agent deal is better for me? That is what it's about. And, and you described it perfectly, Mike Cagley. There are schools that are waiting for this to shake out that need to wake up. I'll be very blunt. I believe Illinois is one of those that needs to wake up and understand that, you, I mean, I, I presented the question to Josh Whitman. You guys were both sitting there during the two hour. If everybody is going to go 180 miles an hour down this highway and you are determined to go 75 miles an hour, you are going to get blown by. And so I believe that the, I believe that there are people around the athletic department at Illinois that have their act together and that are ready to go. And I don't believe that there is a attitude toward the inside the athletic department that is totally okay with the pay for play world that we now currently live in in college athletics. I do well, not. You that. certainly are going to have to walk carefully right now because you don't want to go over the line and and because this is not and not that I think the NCAA is the boogeyman that it used to be but there'll be there'll be one school that they'll probably try their best to to hit hard and you don't want to be that one school and Illinois has the luck of being that one school so I can I've, see where they're a little afraid I, um, I, I, I I've said it before you're absolutely right like there are a bunch of schools that are playing pressure luck and going no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Oh, thank God it wasn't us. Well, like, I think, and I think that's you know, what, like, like Miami right now is first on that list. You would think, and I think, and I think they would. I think that's part of the reason why you might not see them being approached. I have no idea, but if the Big Ten doesn't approach them based on the quality of their school, the television market that they're in, the history their athletics have, if they're not approached by the Big Ten, I think I can't prove it, but I think. It was because of their behavior, and the Big Ten isn't willing to take that risk. On the that. question I would love to pose Josh Whitman right now is how in the world, how in the blue hell do you expect Brett Bielema and his coaching staff to go into the transfer portal and get quality players out of the portal when you're not pointing up the same amount of play-for-play money that, as the people that he's recruiting against in that same portal? Well, it, you know, awesome? I, it you know those, are, those are always – go ahead, Ked. It was hard. It won't work. I mean, Matt, you're 100% right. He wouldn't do it either. I mean, he wouldn't. Nobody in their right mind would do that. It makes no sense in the world. And like you said, that analogy of 180 miles an hour going 75, it, you're 100% right. But the only hope I have, I guess, is that the basketball team does a good job in the portal. So maybe you develop a blueprint on the side that uh, has the most to gain. Um, or at least the closest to the 
to the desired goal. And then you, you uh, figure it out and apply that to the other side. And maybe that's the option of what they're doing. Hard for me to know. Josh Whitman does not keep me on his speed dial. So we occasionally run into each other when, when I'm going into WDWS and he's coming out or we bump into here or there. But for, but for the most part, you know, um, I, I, I think he spends a lot of time not worrying about anything I say. So that's just the way it goes. But I do think, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. But we've, we've talked about some peripheral things here. Let's get into what our Illini fans are looking to, to hear. Let's talk about what I think is one of the premier groups of players. We see this, this, this player group and this player room getting stronger every day. Um, talk a little bit about that running backs, uh, what we got going on here, because to me, this looks like a lot of very good players. Better be. I mean, when you when you have a Brett Bielema type program, your running backs better be as close to a lead as you possibly can be. And I, I feel like when it comes to the Big Ten Conference, Illinois has got at least one of them and his name is Chase Brown. Um, and, and, and the fact of the matter is, is I, I think Illinois' offense could be as one-dimensional as it was last year. And quite honestly, if you go back and, and Chase is still going to get a thousand yards. Right. I mean, and, and that's, if you go back and you look at last year as to what Chase was able to accomplish without having a balanced attack, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Then you add in the idea that I don't know, was Josh McCray healthy and active for what, six games? And he was pretty darn good in like yes, four of those. Yeah, he was pretty darn good in four of those games. You get a good Josh McCray for nine, 10 games, and boy, you could get, you know, a 1,200-yard back and maybe a 800-yard back. And now you've got 2,000 rushing yards sitting there, and that usually isn't about the top three of the Big Ten Conference, folks. And it's a position group that you know isn't going to be healthy the entire 12 games of the, of the four-month four season. Let me remind everybody that the first game that Brett Bielema ever coached, uh, Mike Epstein led his team in carries and in yards, like yep. on the ground, in a game where they beat Nebraska. Um, never would have said that in a million right. years. Right. Well, that guy who's third in line, Reggie Love, did really, really well in the scrimmage on, mon on Monday and has really set himself apart in the second string unit that they're running, um, you know, that I was able to watch on Saturday in the two-hour media, you know, open media viewing practice. So um, I think they have three guys that they feel really, really good about, and I think they have a wild card element as a true freshman in Aiden Loffrey, who I don't think knows the entire offense, and I don't know if the entire install is going to be you know, over his head by the time that the August 27th opener goes up. I do think that there's a package or two that they could throw with him. Um, and I'm talking about the fourth running back now on this, on this, on this unit. So the idea that I think uh, um, the future looks great with Aiden Loffrey. And I, I still think I watched him with the quote Devo third team element. Jordan Anderson is still a beast, everybody. Like he didn't get yeah. any smaller from when he left Joliet Catholic high school. Um, that future with those two true freshmen are really, really good. But I, I do think that um, if the offensive line comes together the way it can, and I, I saw it on Saturday come together pretty well, where if Chase is starting to actually learn some patience that he did not have as a running back, 
Um, if that comes together as well as I think it could, Illinois could have probably somewhere in the neighborhood of the third or fourth best rushing attack in the Big Ten Conference, right? Probably behind Ohio State and Michigan. And I think that that's a huge um, Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. I think Illinois gets into that tier if if Chase Brown and this offensive line comes together the way I think it can. It's 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 clearly um, on either side of the ball the best running the best position room in the Smith Center right now is is running back. It's not even I I won't say it's not even close because I think that there's there's linebackers that are really really good in in this unit. But I think I think running backs number one, and and, and I think that. Um, if Corey Patterson can keep everybody healthy and keep everybody happy, I think Illinois is going to have a really, really good group there in 2022 and beyond. Because you've got a kid who's going to play his senior season at Arthur High School, too, that's really, really good. And he's going to be a true freshman in 2023 and, and I think going to be involved somehow, some way when he gets on campus. So um, the future is bright. And I think the present is is just as, just as solid right now going into 2022. So, Ked, you got a chance to meet most of these kids as they were being recruited. What do you think of this running back room? Well, I think from a national standpoint, a lot of people are going to sleep on Illinois' rushing attack. I agree with Matt. You know, we saw how good it was last year. We know how good Chase is and how good he's going to be if he stays healthy. And I've talked about on many podcasts here before. I just love Josh. I just think he, watching him play, sometimes it's like watching a video game. Because he is, I mean, I don't remember how many times, I'm not going to sit here and lie, but how many times he was tackled and was by four or five guys and was dragging them another five or ten yards. And this kid's only a sophomore. I just think he's big, he's strong, and it bodes well. You're right, it bodes well you know, for the future. And they're all, they all have different styles. They're, you know, they're, they're all different, which I really truly, you know, which I, I like a lot. You know, and Reggie Love came out, you know, from, from uh, Trinity Catholic High School, from where Corey Patterson's from and, you know, highly taught a kid and with a lot of uh, pedigree from the back. So, you know, coming from high school, um, I just think it like massive. We know, we know because we cover Illinois, this is the strongest position and, you know, on the team, you know, you know, you can argue a couple others that are probably close and some that are surprising, which I think we'll talk about a little later. But I think if you can run the ball the way they're going to run it, you know, I still think that with this rushing attack, with this many kids, you know, that can, you know, run the ball, you're going to be able to throw it a lot better. And I think that even if you're an average receiver, I think they have enough average receivers where they can make basic plays. But I think that's going to depend on how well the line does, which we know is supposed to be the bread and butter, Brett Bielema, and this rushing attack. I just look at it, and like you said, you know, you got Aiden Lowry is a guy that turned out, you know, Iowa – you know, to come to Illinois. And so, you know, the kids are talented freshmen. And Bielema talked about a couple of the freshmen, you know, not just Aiden, but a couple other ones. So it's a talented group. You know, they're going to continue to get better. And if they – this is the one area, I guess I'll say this. If somebody was hurt, I don't say that they're not going to miss a beat, but they could replace them, and it wouldn't hurt the team very much. Yeah. It's it's a it's an amazing group, and – and again, you know, I, I know people are like, I want to see, you know, something that's not just running, but boy, these guys have got some, there's some talent there. Um, now let's, let's, let's flip the, uh, flip the script, so to speak. Maybe there's one group here we're going to talk about that's been picked apart, 
Um, people have, un, you know, not been impressed with him. Maybe these guys have got a, a chip on their shoulder, but, but what are we thinking about the wide receiver position? Because I think it's clear that barring injury to Tommy DeVito, we're going to have a better quarterback situation than we had last year. The running backs look strong. Offensive line has certainly potential to be very good. Is this wide receiver crew going to be able to hold up? Well, right now it's Isaiah Williams and a bunch of, uh, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, to be quite honest, I mean, I, people, people in Illinois get tired of me saying this, but there are 14 schools in the Big Ten, and Illinois' is wide receiver group is 14th in the Big Ten, and it's not even close. I mean, it's – it's 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 that inexperienced. Um, it's that much of a question mark. Let's just really be honest about it. And just to add to the running back thing quickly, I think that's the one thing that Barry Lunny has to figure out is how do I get my running backs involved in the pass game? Because Chase can do that. And Josh, I saw Josh McCray do it on Saturday. Like they they run that bootleg stuff where they just flip it to the running back and heck. Now it's an organized screen pass. You got three linemen downfield that are creating something for you. Like, um, I, I, I think this 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 is going to be a hodgepodge group all year long. Because right now, you know that Isaiah Williams is going to be the, the guy on the slot. Your outside receiver positions are, you know, Casey Washington, who's always solid and is a really, really good blocker. And if you're going to run the ball as much as I think they're going to run the ball, you're probably going to have to have somebody out on the perimeter that can knock somebody on their butt. Um, and then that third, you know, uh, second outside receiver, that third receiver, when they want to go to 11 personnel is what it, what looking like Pat Bryant, who had a, a pretty encouraging true freshman season being somebody who, you know, had a bunch of power five offers and, and, um, you know, signed with, signed with Illinois, you know, out of that last class that Lovey put together, um, and just kind of randomly picked Illinois uh, out of Florida. And he had a really, really good true freshman season, but still hasn't had the production that you would want out of that outside spot. Uh, Brian Hightower has played really, really well, a guy that led Illinois in receiving and receptions in 2020. Um, He looks healthy and I think can be a factor. Uh, The big question mark for me is Sean Miller. Uh, He's been in a green non-contact jersey every day I've seen him. Uh, in this in this fall camp because of the injury that he suffered during the spring. I don't know if that's going to get taken off before they start the opener on the 27th. Um, Brett seemed to think that Brett Bielema seemed to think that that was possibly going to be the case, but he was not, I don't think, in full form for the scrimmage on Monday. So, you know, there, there's there's a setback there, uh, but there's a whole bunch of hodgepodge of I don't know the the. The interesting thing is, is that I, the big surprise, to, at least to me, because I thought it was at least not because of his athletic ability, but the transition to wide receiver, I thought was going to take time for him. But Hank Beatty's been really, really impressive yep. in this ball camp and, and did a lot of stuff bubble screen wise. And, and I legitimately think could be the backup in the, at the slot to Isaiah and I think they have something there that that's kind of special in, in, in Hank Beatty. And I, I, I am, I'm really, really happy that Illinois eventually decided to, you know, throw it, throw him a scholarship and make all of that production that he had at Rochester translate to the college level. And I, I think it's going to eventually. Um, but 
Isaiah's got to have a big year and he knows it. Um, I think everybody around him knows it. And um, I don't know how much help he's going to have because this whole group is George McDonald's going to have to make lemonade out of this whole group. Because right now beyond Isaiah, I don't know what beyond lemons he has to work with right now. And, and I could be underselling everybody who just hasn't gotten a full blown opportunity, but um, so, right now it's a whole bunch of questions surrounded by what I think is a star in Isaiah Williams. So Ked, is well, Matt is Matt being too cynical, or do you you have reasons for hope? Well, you know, I I this is probably the first time I'm gonna. I was hard on the wide receiver court too, but I I I'm gonna back off a little bit because here's why I think. I think I know the spring game was a spring game, and I know you know coaches hide things, but I saw Isaiah because everybody talks about the same thing. Get the ball to your best weapon. We're sitting in the press box. Get the ball to your best weapon. You're watching the game on TV. Get the ball to your best weapon. Well, they couldn't do that last year because this is me, and I know this is unprofessional to say. The offensive coordinator wasn't good enough and creative enough to do that. And that spring game, I saw Isaiah put in situations, what everybody was talking about, and he was able to succeed. And I'm going to tell you, he dropped four or five passes himself that he probably would have scored on two of those. So – I think the room is not as bad. I think if he stays healthy, I think there's some hope there. You know, I I love, I've always been a fan of Casey Washington because I think he's physical. I think he's he's a junior, but he's probably 25 years old. He's been around for a long time, being sarcastic. But he's a big physical wide receiver guy that I think can make plays for them. And I think, you know, throwing the ball down the field, um, you, you got your tight ends, which, you know, we've talked about, but, you know, on another, on another show. But point being, I don't think it's going to be as bad. Matt mentioned, you know, Pat Bryant, you know, is another guy that I think that could help them. I think given the chance, because you're going to be so focused on the run game, you know, where the DBs and corners are going to kind of, you know, focus on helping out. They're going to make plays. This whole thing to me with the receiving core, core is going to revolve around Barry Lunny Jr., I think if he can, you know, manage an offense that's not so predictable and put these guys in space where they can make routine plays, you know, cross green patterns, I think they're going to be fine. I'll, you know, now this is really childish to say, but like you watch videos that the university puts out. I've seen, and we've all seen some remarkable catches by guys that people consider no-name guys. And Mike, you're right. You know, this is the Rodney Dangerfield of the entire of the offense. And maybe they're tired of it. I don't think they're going to be as bad. Do I think they're going to go up there with Michigan and Ohio State, Penn State? No, I don't think so. But I think given the chance and the right offensive play calling, I don't think they're going to be as bad. So I, I look at this and I will tell you, this is the hardest group for me to figure out. You can you can kind of go. And, and you can kind of, you know, say, hey, this is what I think we can do, you know, that type of thing. You can feel good about, you know, the offensive line, et cetera. The defensive line may not be super deep, but got some talent. The wide receiver part needs somebody to step up. And it's, it's really hard to predict that. But, you know, um, I guess the best one is to hope that the injury – uh, bug, you know, goes away, and 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 maybe that's where you get, you know, another guy, you know, out on the field that's that's got chance to to make a difference. I, Mike, I don't know. Yeah, Mike, I feel like 
George McDonald could literally pull names out of beyond Isaiah, who we right. all know is going to start. On right, August right. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like George McDonald could pull a Billy Martin and pull names out of a hat at the outside perceiver position, and he wouldn't be wrong. Like, I mean, and and if he pulls two names out of a hat and says, "Cool, this is who I'm starting with on August 27th when they roll out against Wyoming," George would not be wrong. Like, I mean, th- that's. That's how much this group of outside receivers just aren't that much farther apart than everybody else, like right. in, in, in the room. So if he wants to start Casey Washington and Pat Bryant, have at it. If he wants to start Brian Hightower and, you know, Miles Scott or even Hank Beatty on the, on the outside, or, you know, if he wants to start Kamari Thompson, who I have not seen beyond the developmental group, or if he wants to start Sean Miller, if he gets cleared for contact right on Saturday morning, he wouldn't be wrong. Like, and, and so, um, you know, there's only a, and I, I can't tell you, I, there's no possible way. There's a lot like you, like you said it the best, Mike, like, I think I have a really good idea when they roll into Madison on October 1st, like who's going to be a big time, you know, player on the defensive line. I know who's going to be a big time player in the linebacker room. I know who they're going to hand the football to. If you asked me who's going to start and be a big time contributor by the time they get to October in that wide receiver room, again, beyond Isaiah, I have no earthly idea. And I wouldn't be able to tell you because again, I don't think um, George, George McDonald has the luxury of not being wrong with whoever he picks because there's just not that much separation right now. And then I think, that's going to take game experience and confidence, and you just don't know who's going to light up when that happens. Yeah, yeah that 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 to me is probably the the scariest thing. You know, is just can they can they find somebody? And, and otherwise, you put an incredible amount of pressure on on the offensive line to run block. To be honest with you. And then when they do pass, you know, you can't get into obvious passing situations. And if the off, if the wide receivers can't get a lot of separation, now you're in a position where Tommy DeVito has to be perfect with his passes. And when you start having different dominoes all next to each other and they all require perfection, that's where you have to win the uh, – the overtime game and nine overtimes and play a lot of defense. <laughs> right. Like the one thing I don't want you to ever say though, or anybody to say throughout this too, that, is that boy, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Isaiah. And like, that's already happened. Like he has to be great. Like, let's just be real about it. If Isaiah is not great at this, at this point, I'm not trying to put any more pressure on the kid. I sat there and talked with him in Indianapolis for 20 minutes. He knows he has to be really good. Like, and so, yeah. The idea that you're putting too much pressure on number one, that's not possible. He knows he has to be really, really good. And I think that everybody will feed off of how much – I mean, I don't think it'll be for lack of effort that that Barry will actually try to get the ball to number one. I don't right. think we'll, – I don't think we'll – here's what I don't think, Mike, and I think you and I are both going to be in that box on August 27th when they play Wyoming. You are not going to look over at me in the middle of the second quarter and go, why haven't they gotten Isaiah involved? Or at least try. Like, I do think Barry's going to try. If Wyoming wants to take it away, 
that's when you have to look toward Brian Hightower and maybe a Casey Washington or an Ian or even even like an Ian Pugh or anybody on the outside to make a difference and make a play at that point. Um, but it's not going to be for lack of effort that that if Wyoming wants to take Isaiah away, they're going to be leaving somebody wide, wide open. And because I really think Barry is going to try, but I, 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 I don't get the sense that Isaiah is going into this thinking there isn't, there's so much pressure on me to perform. No, no, no. He doesn't act. He doesn't, he doesn't, that's not how this works. He knows he has to be really, really good because not only is he probably the best guy in that room by far, he's also one of the leaders. And I really wouldn't be shocked if he's voted even as a junior, as a captain um, or as a third year player, as a captain. So um, the idea that there's too much pressure on Isaiah, that's not possible. He understands going in. If he's not an all Big Ten guy, or at least in the consideration to be an all Big Ten guy, then Illinois' passing numbers probably aren't as good as you need them to be. Right, right. Ted, any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up uh, this episode? Well, the way I see it, you know, you know, judging back, looking at everything, you know, that we've talked about is that. I think every team always has a star. There's always going to be that one player who's going to step up. Who that person is going to be, we have no idea. I'm talking specifically about the wide receiver room. You know, uh, who it is, I don't know. It could be Hank Baby. You know, we have no idea. It could be Casey Washington. Pat Bryant could be that special guy. You know, um, uh, anybody, Kamari Thompson. I just think there's going to be somebody who's going to, because we look at college sports and, you know, every team and even, you know, we talk basketball and football, there's always that one guy, oh my gosh, I don't think he's going to be this good. And I, they need that. They do. And you're right. I think there's a lot of pressure on Isaiah. You know, can you guys imagine, I'll close with this. This guy came to Illinois to play quarterback. And now we're sitting here talking about he could potentially be first, second, or third team all Big Ten and how much pressure it is on him to be a receiver because he was picked to be a quarterback and now he's their number one option on offense as a receiver yeah it's it's it is amazing how the worm can turn on and you and that's why i don't get too much into predictions because these are kids and and you know last year there's a guy by the name of kirby joseph who we were like wow why hasn't this guy been playing so you know, may, maybe Illinois gets uh, one or two of those at the wide receiver position and and all of a sudden dominoes start falling into place. So we will see on that, folks. Uh, we will keep you informed. We'll have another podcast later in the week where we'll talk a little bit about the tight ends and the linebackers and, um, you know, get you, again, a little bit ready for football. As you can tell, we're all ready. Uh, we're going to be in town. You'll the Illini guys will be uh, hosting a tailgate in Grange Grove. Um, we will also be um, at Guido's the night before the game, um, and the Illini guys golf tournament is going to be out at Adkins Golf Course the day before the game. And most likely, you can find us, you know, Thursday evening probably at Papa Dell's. To be real truthful with you, if I know if I know myself. Um, so we're excited about Illini football. We're ready to get rocking and rolling here and uh, see if, if Brett Bielma and his team can, can make it to a bowl game and start that recovery because he has a mountain of bad years in front of him, and it's, it's time to turn it around. So with that, folks, if you want more um, 
Illini information and Matt kind of talked about it and Ked's talked about it in the past. If you go in, if you become a member of Illini guys, not only do you get all the news stories and stuff, but you also get the members only forums section. And that's where people do the old fashioned message boards where you'll see a subject about a recruitment of a certain player. And you go in there and you can read the messages and you can look for the messages from Ted or Matt or Brad. And you're like, okay, these guys know what they're talking about. And then you have a, a whole cast of subscribers who are in there chatting about what goes on with Illinois sports. To be honest with you, um, I like the message boards even more than I like reading articles. That's just the way I am. So um, it's a great place to be, IlliniGuys.com, $99 a year. It's a fantastic deal. And you will uh, you get seven days to kick the tires and see if you like it. The other thing you can listen for us is we have other podcasts. We have uh, Ked's Recruiting Roundup, where Ked talks to players, coaches, and parents who are being recruited by the colleges. A little bit different way of looking at this. So it's not people talking to the coaches about what they want or, you know, people like myself and Matt, you know, trying to talk about how the season's going, but the actual kids and what it's like to be recruited. Very unique. Of course, we have Sturdy for 30. That's Brad's award-winning podcast where he gets people from all connections to Illinois athletics and we'll sit down with them and talk to them about some and give them questions that they haven't gotten from anybody else. And the most important thing, of course, is we do have the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. That's our radio show that just got on to uh, a station in Quincy, WGEM. You can catch them, uh, you know, uh, you can catch our show there. Um, and we also got moved to Saturdays on WJBC in Bloomington. We have over 30 signals in the state of Illinois. So go to IlliniGuys.com hit the radio button, look for the city, the station, and when we are on the air so that you can listen to the show. The only thing we ask you to do, and this is important, if you can go ahead and call the radio station and say thank you for having the Illini guys on, because a lot of those stations depend on their listeners to tell them what they enjoy. So with that, I am going to sign off and we will talk to you later in the week with the tight ends and the linebackers. Go Illini.